You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Time of the evening where you join us on a show that is tailor-made for you. And Alhamdulillah on the platform of Marcus Sahaba Legal Talk comes to you on a weekly basis. That's on a Friday evening. And it's from 8 to 9 p.m. Alhamdulillah, Suma, Alhamdulillah. Many and many of you are enjoying the shows, and I really like the feedback that I get. And uh, this evening, we're joined by one of our favorites, uh, Attorney Hafiz Muhammad Kubadia. And uh, Attorney Hafiz uh, Muhammad Kubadia, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Besides uh, being an attorney, uh, you know, uh, does a lot of conveyancing and so forth and traveling uh, the world. You're a traveler, you're a dying. You're an attorney, you're a Hafiz al-Quran, and uh, what else? You know, you're an all-rounder. What else is uh, part of your home? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah shafat. It's always a pleasure to be on your radio show. I think two weeks in succession for me, that's a personal best for me to, uh, to, to, to be on your show. Alhamdulillah. Allah reward you, your radio station, all those people involved for the good work and the good effort. Gee, Jazakallah. I think sometimes the titles that you give me, Hafiz, Attorney, all seems too long. Brother Muhammad is good enough, Alhamdulillah. So, yes, um, but, uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, um, by overemphasizing who we are, I may take away from some of the goodness that we do. But you know me for being a legal person. You also know me to be uh, uh, passionate about our dawah. You're a person that comes from a dawah background. I, alhamdulillah, have immersed myself in the field of dawah after having met Sheikh Ahmed Didat. So we spend our life in the dunya and we have a consideration for the akhirah. I think a Muslim always has a very balanced outlook in life. And with a balanced outlook in life, we can achieve success. Rabbana atina fi dunya wa fil hasana. That we can achieve khair and goodness in this world and we can achieve khair and goodness in the year after. Gee, so that's just a bit of an introduction to your listeners who I think are very well acquainted with who I am. Jazakallah khair for having me on your show this evening, Shabbat. Uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, you're very you're modest indeed. Uh, but you have to tell the people who you're talking to, yeah. I mean, I'm talking to Muhammad. Then say, who's Muhammad? Okay, you know, anyway, that's by the way. But Alhamdulillah, I like your humility. you got an attitude of uh, gratitude and, uh, you know, that uh, famous saying, he that humbles himself will be elevated and he that elevates himself will be humbled. So, alhamdulillah, brilliant indeed. Uh, Muhammad, you know, looking around us and uh, many opportunities are presenting. Uh, before we get into our topic, you know, I'd like to uh, bring up these issues of uh, you getting these, uh, you know, dais uh, that are uh, maybe very high profile uh, reverts to Islam. We talk about the high profile reverts. The Tate guy just got arrested in Romania. Uh, Romania. And, you know, they said these are trumped off charges because he's uh, totally, he's going against the establishment, to say, number one. And number two, he's uh, constantly picking on the Western value system and its failure and promoting Islam to such an extent that it is hurting them. So uh, these uh, charges, I don't know if you're aware of the story, but if you are, maybe a quick comment from you. So, uh, obviously, he's a public personality. Andrew Tate is a public personality and what it Whatever he does then gets to the public arena. So we are aware, I am aware that um, Andrew Tate was arrested. I'm not exactly sure uh, uh, what the nature of his arrest was. I'm assuming because of his recent reversion to Islam, a lot of people have taken ayah 
and object to his position of promoting his religion, even better than what we as Muslims do. So yes, there is going to, it is going to come with a level of antagonism, a, 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 legal, a, a level of uh, uh, retaliation from the powers that be. Uh, I understand that he's not being uh, released as yet, but there is talk of an imminent release uh, shortly. So inshallah, we make dua that these people have, they get their freedom once again and are in a position to go out there and promote the dawah. It's so unfortunate that in 2023 now, that whilst people talk about liberties and freedoms and rights, in Western countries, these seem to be more um, controlled, these seem to be more uh, stifled than what we even in Africa would be exposed to. And you'd think the opposite would be the, the norm, but the reality is I know of people that have went to Guantanamo Bay years back. I know of people today that are held captive. And um, there's a friend of mine who's part of the like the Muslim Prisons Board in the United States of America, and he keeps me updated as to how, unfortunately, Muslims have become the victims of the so-called terror responses by the USA. But in reality, the response of terrorism has come from the from these Western countries. So yes, yes, you are public personalities like Andrew Tate and the likes thereof who go out and promote Islam, they are the ones who are getting subjected. So Allah is rewarding him for the effort that he's making. His position exceeds mine and your position, Shafat. We, we haven't yet been to jail for defending Islam. And these people have recently come into Islam a month or two ago, and they're already sacrificing personal liberties and freedoms in order to promote Islam. And, um, you know, as Muslims, we now that he's our Muslim brother, we support him, we make dua for him. If there's any assistance and dua that we can render and we should be rendering, then we need to do that on behalf of our brother and uh, make dua that Allah releases him from his plight, from his plight, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, it's interesting to see that so many viewpoints are coming through. And as you said, uh, you know, being in Islam, uh, a year ago, no one knew who he was. Uh, but because of uh, you know, talking about Islam, I, you know, when he was a Christian, uh, maybe, you know, he's got something. Uh, I mean, he's not uh, the polished product when it comes to using the right uh, languages. His superlatives are maybe a bit too, uh, yeah, you know, that way inclined. But inshallah, slowly but surely, he himself says, you know, I will come. I'll come right. You know, so inshallah, uh, Allah will be. Anyone that's on the path of truth, haq shall prevail and falsehood uh, perish. You know, we uh, look around, um, looking about our youngsters are coming through. They'll be uh, making choices of uh, the careers and what they're going to do and all that. You know, uh, Muhammad, perhaps people like us, uh, you know, need to motivate them or in, in your case, you can guide them. But uh, perhaps uh, what would you say is one of the most dangerous professions to be in? I mean, you can see that uh, uh, they say uh, last year alone. Uh, journalists, uh, oh, quite a few hundreds of journalists, over 300, were, you know, murdered and killed because of, uh, you know, reporting uh, uh, truthfully. Uh, would you say journalism is the most hazarded uh, profession or anything else that you can think of? Besides the politicians, I mean, in, in one party, <laughs> the ANC were killing each other. So talk, talk to me, Mohammed. I don't know. We're living in a different era at this moment in time. Jobs that never existed 15 and 20 years ago seem to be the jobs of the future. You know, today people are working from home. People are 
<laughs> people so imagine journalists now working from home that would be an ideal situation they don't have to get to the front line anymore doctors imagine doctors working from home they can uh, and that's going to happen i think uh, it's already happening on some sites you can go and consult a doctor and pay maybe a 50 dollar fee or something and he would now uh, assess you and you diagnose you and he would prescribe some medication for you and you go to your local pharmacy so yes new types of jobs are coming in i don't know about the levels of danger maybe we can google that and have a discussion which is considered to be the most dangerous profession uh, you know unfortunately uh, in the legal profession they compare us to sharks and uh, <laughs> some uh, some crazy wildlife out there but uh, I, i i don't know you know speaking from a legal perspective uh, i think alhamdulillah we we seem to be relatively uh, safe although from time to time we do hear of lawyers that are getting uh, attacked uh, lawyers that are even being murdered mm. so um that is the unfortunate reality of the situation that uh, sometimes being uh, doing criminal work you you know you have to uh, consult and you have to then mingle with uh, the criminals of society and you know there is a concern especially maybe the muslim girls the young girls that want to practice and that would not be the ideal situation for them because it's difficult circumstances going into prisons prisons and environments prison environments i remember there from the early years where you would have to go regularly to the prisons to consult with your clients and it's it's really a unhealthy situation for a person even to visit imagine about the inmates in the prisons how difficult it is for them um, you know to be to be muslims one number one and considering all the legal the sharia requirements of halal and haram and all these things so yes yes going back to the topic of uh, professions um we can speak from a islamic perspective and maybe just uh, try to help our young learners out there choose a career and get to understand what legal profession is about this is that time of the year that time of their life where they make a decision that may impact them for the rest of their life so we want it to be an informed decision as best as we can afford that to be Now, before I get uh, to your, you know, points uh, that you'll give us on uh, how to choose a profession and a legal profession, especially, uh, you know, talk about, uh, yeah, going to prison. You, uh, that is, if you're a criminal lawyer, if you're specializing in in in, in criminal law, uh, Muhammad. Yes. So obviously, you know, one of the today we're living in an environment in in, in yeah, amongst our careers. Even doctors today, you'd find that they realize that there is a need for specialization. more than what the previous doctors would be so previously a doctor could uh, be a family doctor and with that you would assist with births and you would be a family doctor and somebody breaks his arm tomorrow and he would go and assist and maybe put a plaster and a bandage and now today we've come into a more specialized environment and with doctors and similarly now in the legal profession you find that very early into your profession you as an attorney need to identify which line of work you are most comfortable with that that is important why because the law is evolving and you need to be constantly training yourself you need to be constantly updating yourself with the new legal requirements i mean day to day new laws are being enacted and people need to become acquainted with it so if you're a person that involves himself with criminal work there may be amendments to the act there may be updates there may be certain uh, there, there will be certain court cases that would now be precedent we need to take cognizance of so whichever feel of law that you'd like to get into the best advice would be that one is remember you have to update yourself constantly it's a, it's 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 a field that's updating itself from time to time you know uh, you need to get up to date and up to speed 
with legal requirements all the time, more especially in the type of uh, specialization, in the type of field that you have chosen. So if you're a person that loves to do aviation law, you're going to specialize in aviation law. And because this is such a specialized field, you need to really become the best of the best in the sense that if people, airline companies, airports need your services, you are able to provide the type of service that they need. It's a very exclusive field. I mean, like like that, there are many different, different fields where a person could specialize in. And people like this generally get involved in corporate companies or in large firms, legal firms, where they would actually be called upon to to render the best possible advice. And Alhamdulillah, today we're living in an environment where um, we it's international. The, the scope of your work today, as you are a journalist and your radio station promotes itself, you project yourself across the globe. People in different parts of the world know who you are because of the modern technology and the opportunity for us to do business and to get ourselves out there. So yes, even in the legal profession, you'd find that foreign companies would be looking for local lawyers to assist them. And if you're a person that sets him, carves himself out a niche in the aviation industry, you could represent airlines, airline companies, airline interests in South Africa or South African interests abroad. So yes, uh, that is just one, just off the top of my head, choosing one particular field of specialization, but there are literally hundreds of fields of specialization. Uh, we know your other guest that comes in, attorney Ashraf Isop, is a specialist in immigration law, and that's an extremely niche market. There's constant queries. I have uh, a lot of inquiries about people, people that immigrate, especially from India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, that have queries and concerns and issues with the immigration law. So if you're going to set yourself up in that practice, that would be could be uh, your field of specialization and other attorneys would then refer. So in future, I would be able to refer XYZ as being a specialist in this field because I know that um, you'll, get, you'll get your money's worth. In a sense, they wouldn't need to go back, hit the books and try to understand what the nature of the issues are and what the court cases are and what the legal, what legislation states about it because you're a person that acquaints himself with this on a day-to-day -day basis. So yes, I think um, specialization and doing this type of work on a specialized basis is something a person would like, should be any attorney, any junior attorney, anybody considering the field is something I would recommend. And, and you can naturally grow into it. You don't need to know at the first year of study that I'd like to be a notary as a field of specialization or I'd like to do employment law as a field of specialization. This would come once you find your feet in this particular uh, profession. Yeah, Mohammed, uh, you made me think there. And uh, before I talk about marine law and so forth, you know, you spoke about, uh, okay, I was uh, with mainstream media working uh, there. And I remember DDAT had an advertisement and, uh, you know, we applied for it. And went there. there were 40 people waiting for that position, the editor of the Al-Burhan. And uh, DDAT just looked at me, reckoning, I like your face. Is that what you can give me this? And uh, the rest is history. Got in there at that traveled with him and you got to know what was happening and that Burhan was, you know, a top of the four-color job, Mohammed, four-color job. And it used to print every month 35,000 copies. 30,000 copies went to the Middle East and only 5,000 copies were circulated locally. 
and subsequently, you know, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. You can see uh, he's been one of the, our uh, one of our most powerful dais uh, that we exported uh, from this uh, country. But uh, you know, you're talking about the, the specialist fields that you get. You know, you'll get the even uh, um, uh, uh, what you call that uh, marine law is such a specialized field. And then you get uh, better still. Now you're getting uh, you, uh, you got a field called medical law, where you know that, that has become a specialist field too. And then uh, you lawyers, or even uh, I believe that the doctors uh, need to do medical law because of the amount of uh, you know litigation and so forth or cases that come uh, up against them. Uh, Muhammad, you quickly your comments. Yes. So of course, medical law is something very, very. But medical law is closely also has been closely linked with uh, third party claims. So you'd find that, um, and, and medical malpractices. So an attorney that does third-party claims, he'd generally be extremely familiar with medical law, what the doctors did to assist the particular person. And sometimes I think a person, a lawyer who does these types of matters is also, is, or is, is, is as much as a doctor is, is some of somebody studying in the early years of medicine because you really need to have a passion about medicine if you want to uh, if you want to practice medical law and this is where your hobby or your interest would now set you apart from uh, from 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 an uh, from another attorney so if you're passionate about medical uh, although you know you you didn't you missed your vocation in medicine you could do law but have a speciality in medical med practices you could have a speciality in third party cases because this is closely linked if you get a client is involved in a third party accident you sitting there at the outset need to have some general idea about the nature of his damages, what type of assessments does he need to go, go for, um, what the different medical specialists are, and how would you go about creating a plausible case. And with that, uh, it needs a medical background and a specialization, and some people are just not cut out for that type of thing. But yes, uh, this is where your passions play out. I had a candidate in the early years was very passionate about sports and um, used to love it. You know, he always was updating himself as to the latest results and, you know, sports. And when I asked him where, what would he like to see himself doing? He, of course, was very passionate about becoming uh, a legal advisor in, in, the, in the sports profession. Having the conversation and we have to look out for load shedding and this shedding. I wonder if there's a specialist uh, field where, you know, we can uh, you 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 can take out the government because it seems as if when you want to take them on, uh, it's like a no-win situation. Yes, Muhammad, we had some gremlins coming through, but Alhamdulillah, we back here. And uh, you know, you're so eloquently talking about the different specialist uh, fields uh, in, in the in, in the field of law and so forth. And uh, that's very interesting. Again, you know, get the uh, marine. I remember years of a friend of mine. It's a very lucrative thing to do. And how many take to marine law, uh, Muhammad? Yeah, so uh, I, I'm not familiar exactly, you know, how popular these various specialities are, uh, but I'm confident that within a big corporate environment, they would always have a legal advisor sitting there and giving them the type of advice they need on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, setting up manuals, giving them the governance procedures. Nowadays, even a small business needs to comply with certain legal requirements in terms of poppy, in terms of now... Um, uh, employments and staffs and labor laws and labor disputes. So yes, uh, uh, corporates would need certain people. And if you specialize and if you your uh, the, your your line of business is to do with a certain legal uh, a certain business environment, 
then you need to be familiar. And sometimes, you know, you need to employ the services fully or, or partially employ the services of a legal advisor to advise you, uh, navigate through some of the murky legal issues that you face with from time to time. And we'll be surprised, you know, sometimes people think things take things for granted and, you know, may have copyright issues, may have... Uh, uh, trademark issues, especially people nowadays, a lot of our products are what imported from China. And China's laws are very relaxed, especially when it comes to uh, infringements of uh, IP. Um, so trademarks and copyrights and these types of things, you know, you could get into hot waters with SARS and with the company themselves for importing parallel products, or rather not parallel products, parallel products are quite legal, but um, fake products, counterfeit products. So these products, uh, like I say, you know, uh, if you're going to specialize and you're going to become somebody that's notable in your field of specialization, then you are noteworthy across the country. People would know, for example, there's this particular attorney or this particular advocate, He's known to be a, a professional and an expert and a specialist in this particular field. So if I have a problem, uh, we could use his services. And like that, you know, um, tax law uh, for youngsters that are considering being, uh, for those that have an accounting background and become attorneys as well, they would serve a particular specialized field, and that's tax, uh, tax law, for example. So, you know, a lot of companies have issues with taxes year to year or sometimes, you know, SARS just breathes down your neck and they want this information and that information from you. So a person that can immerse himself in this environment can establish himself nationally. Anyway, he could go to Durban and sort out clients' problems there in Cape Town, have an exciting career even in tax law. So, yes, you know, if your field of specialization is accounting and you believe that you could be, you would be normally a good accountant, you could actually merge the two and be a legal advisor uh, to, to, to in the accounting profession, in the accounting field. So, yes, many, many, and our youth are so fortunate that we're living in an environment today that um, there is scope, there is opportunity, and like to encourage them for those people that have a passion for law to consider then, you know, getting involved and, 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 and you know, just immerse yourself into this environment and in time to come. Your field of specialization will naturally come to you. You know, uh, Mohammed, with AI and people, many professions and so forth, uh, you know, the future uh, is in uh, artificial looking at uh, technology and IT and so forth, and, uh, you know, getting into uh, specializing into broadband and all that. Um, professions, as you said, you know, you'll find now maybe a doctor will be working from home. And, you know, all this, again, artificial intelligence coming to the fore. Uh, the, the, the future for the lawyers, uh, can AI, uh, you know, uh, dilute the profession? I, I, I think people are confused when they talk about the oldest profession. I think the oldest profession is still law. <laughs> Ever since the first dispute and the first murder, maybe it was the Cain and Abel court case that set the legal vibes around the world <laughs> um, no but we don't want to make light of a situation it's just that uh, yes there'll always be disputes in any community the justice system was always required and the Quran tells us in the time of Bani Israel it was a time where judicial system was based on what an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and the Bible mentions that as well it was still necessary even though they were a mobile community, even though they were a nomadic community, it was still necessary for justice to take place. 
So maybe this person um, stole somebody's camel along the way, or by mistake he knocked the guy's sheep dead, or by mistake something happened, and this person wants retribution and he wants justice, and he needed to turn to some sort of judicial system, and what judicial system can can come into place for nomadic people. So the Quran talks about a judicial system that was applicable to them at that particular time. So in today's day and age, we don't really have an eye for an eye situation. Our Sharia is not based on an eye for an eye situation uh, or a tooth for a tooth situation. But we know that for those people, that was applicable to them. So talking about 3,000 years and 4,000 years ago, we have historic evidences that judicial system was uh, was was necessary and was a part of every society. Um, I know moving for, uh, forward that um, the law may evolve, but the the necessity and the legal requirements, uh, or so, sorry, the legal judicial system needs to always be in place for community and society to be able to be productive. Because if we're living in a state without a judicial system, then we're living in a lawless country. We're living in a lawless environment. And and in some places around the world where the law and the executive powers and the judicial powers are withheld or curbed or curtailed in some way, you'll find that um, there's an abuse of uh, people's rights. And uh, people, you know, there's no safety in the communities. There's no safety in doing business. People could cheat you. People could rob you. People could defraud you. At the end of it, there's no right of recourse. And people are doing exactly what they please. Uh, you, you hear about it happening in some of the communities around the world. And, uh, of course, that is a state of um, total disrepair. Um, I think, moving forward, that the judicial system will evolve. It will become better. It will become more efficient. It will become more internet based internet friendly. I know for a fact during COVID, a lot of services has improved. So for example, SARS has improved. Um, we deal with local councils, uh, different councils, local council services, online services has improved. So a lot of them have now statements are, are being uh, emailed to you instead of posted. When you posted it, never re- you never received it. You started emailing it. Now you're getting it regularly. Now you want the last three statements, five statements, you go on your email and you pick it up automatically. So SAR services improved, local councillor services improved. The courts, now in the high courts, matters are still being heard online. Um, So you don't need to appear. How much has that relieved infrastructure? How much has it relieved in terms of traveling? How much has it relieved now in time? How much is it relieved in terms of resources? You know, you know your matters on at 10 o'clock, 5 to 10, 10 to 10, you log on to your system, um, you, you get onto the, the, the court management system and your matter gets called up after that and you address the judge from your office, from your chambers, uh, you're able to deal with your matter. Sometimes it's a silly, a small postponement and to, to, to drive now one hour into town, to stand there for an hour, to, to drive an hour back, your morning is gone. You know, by the time you come back, you're tired, you're frustrated, you're hungry, anxious, you need to get back to your work, you want to get your things done for the day. So, yes, I think in time to come, the law and court cases and things will become more efficient and more effective, uh, inshallah. Uh, you're already seeing it happening in different parts of the world. Uh, documents are emailed and uploaded and even us, in, uh, any attorney 20 years ago, 30 years ago, these documents were manually typed on a typewriter and sometimes to draw a contract a simple work could take 
one to two hours. Today, in a matter of 15 or 20 minutes, the document is on your system because everything is already been prepared uh, and you, you're just basically filling in uh, spaces and you're able to now produce a document in one third of the time. So in the in the process, things should technically become cheaper. I hope it does, Shafat. <laughs> now, yeah, Alhamdulillah, you said everything's getting, uh, you know, it's getting more expensive. Now, whilst you're talking and a thought comes to mind, you know, with artificial intelligence, well, you got artificial intelligence that will be, you know, it's already taking over here then everywhere. You, you, the lawyer, comes in. It's a very important to have new laws uh, uh, formulated for, you know, maybe rules and regulations uh, governing artificial intelligence. Uh, what are some of your thoughts about that? Um, of course, of course. I mean, as we progress as humanity, you'll find that um, crime will also progress accordingly. So previously, 15 years ago, um, theft of checks or defrauding a person by way of a instrument like a check or a, or, a, or, or a legally negotiable instrument was possible. Nowadays, the crime has shifted away from checks because nobody uses checks anymore. So what they do is you have cybercrime. People would now send you an email, try to solicit your personal information, your credit card information, and then you're now defrauded of 5,000 rand, 10,000 rand. You go to the police station, you're laying a charge. If there is no law to protect you, the police officer will not know what to do. If the law does not specifically state that these types of offenses are criminal offenses and this will be the type of sentence and punishment, that means the law is now still behind the criminal. Criminals, uh, the criminals are more advanced than the, than the legal system. So, you know, once the, a country identifies that we have a problem, potential problem, it may involve a cyber crime where people are hacking into your system or people are hacking into your email, sending fraudulent emails, trying to solicit from your customers. And we're hearing about it happening every day. People are now getting calls, we're getting SMSs, they're getting emails. Please click on the link. People clicking on the link and you're finding that 10,000 and 50,000 rand is being deducted of your account and you didn't know how it happened except that you divulged all your information on a spam uh, response, you know, on a criminal website. And these criminals sitting in whichever part of the world they may be, 6,000, 10,000, 20,000 kilometers away from you, are able to get access to your system because this is the nature of the new criminal. So a lot of countries have been proactive or even reactive, and they've set up these types of cyber law crimes where prosecutors are now able to now um, uh, successfully uh, prosecute um, criminals based on now legislation that you know sets out exactly what is considered to be a crime and what the nature of the crime would be and the nature of the sentence if a person is found guilty of these things. And yes, in so many ways, this is the evolution of law. And in so many ways, you find that um, this, uh, criminals are always going to devise plans. They don't care about the law. If there's an opportunity to make money, if a person is sitting in Nigeria and he scams you in South Africa, the last thing on his mind is what's the criminal consequences of my actions, you know. So these are the type of things, what type uh, of, of extradition agreements will governments now put into place for cross-border fraud. These are the considerations that will need to get considered by, by various governments across the country. And um, yes, it's, it's, it's important that the legal people then keep themselves up to date with these types of hacks. I know attorneys, many attorneys have in the past become victims 
because attorneys by their very nature carry a lot of trust monies in their trust account, monies that belong to their clients. And um, sometimes very innocently, sometimes very surreptitiously, they get conned into releasing thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of rands out of the account. I mean, you're getting a million rand for your client and you get this email from a client saying that please transfer the, my, my million rand into the following account and you get the account number and everything seems to be legitimate and you'll find a day or two later the client really phoning you or emailing you or contacting you and saying, can I please have my money? And, you know, it's something that will give you an instant heart attack if this ever comes to you. So, yes, major concern. I mean, you know, being in this business or in any business where you're handling money, uh, today you could become very easily a victim of cybercrime because we are so innocent and so trustworthy and so unaware of the things that could happen to us. And we're not even fully aware that sometimes you just click on a link and that it appears to be an official uh, bank website or your official um, details or your official page on your, uh, your your login page, your landing page on your, web, on your banking profile and you start filling information. So yes, uh, unfortunately, this this is a common problem for attorneys. Yeah, Mohammed, uh, you know, whilst you're talking there, talking about uh, yeah, we, we have uh, you know, I think we had a common friend, but we can't mention name that he was uh, taken for a an individual. You know, he said, "Oh, I buy this property; it's beautiful." But uh, uh, somehow he got away because uh, you know, uh, in fact, uh, your, your your trust money, you're not allowed to touch that. Eh? But uh, he was anyway. Uh, I believe there was an Eventually, but the stress he went through and you had to prove that it wasn't him, the other guy twisted his arm and so forth. But you need to be uh, very careful in your profession because you get uh, uh, many con artists coming to you and they are masters at sweet-talking people, uh, you know. And you as a senior attorney, uh, how would you advise young barristers uh, to... Uh, you know, to deal clients, but not to uh, get uh, swept off the feet uh, by them, uh, Muhammad. Yeah, so we don't use barristers in South Africa. <laughs> so it's attorneys or maybe advocates. Advocates, by uh, by their very nature, do not carry trust monies. Um, trust monies are normally handled by attorneys. So, uh, yeah, the type of advice would go out to any junior attorney that... Um, the, the the legal practice council wants us demands of us that we have uh, strategies in place for us to avoid these types of measures. So you know you generally want to follow it up with phone calls. We want to follow it up with confirming bank details. But I've seen criminals go one step ahead. I mean, what some attorneys do is they actually demand that you give them proof of your bank account. And, and and not only attorneys, I mean, across the board now, you'd find that a company would say, your insurance company or anybody would say, please send us your banking details and send us proof of those banking details exist. And I've seen in the past where criminals actually fraudulently misrepresent how they defraud you by creating a document that looks exactly like something that would have been officially been issued by a bank. Yes, this is the unfortunate reality. And when I say heart attack, you are, you know, a person who goes through this, it's exactly that. Sometimes you may or may not have insurances, and that's not even the point. I mean, even if you had insurance, you don't want to become involved in this type of scheme because this is something really unfortunate. And, and in any event, there'd be some sort of a basic uh, 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 amount that you'd, 
that you'd have to put in anyway, even if you get scammed in this type of thing. You know, insurance is not going to cover 100%. You'll still have to cover some amount of money. Even if a person is defrauded for five or 10,000 rand, he is going through unnecessary stress, you know, because today it's five or 10,000 rand. What systems do we have in place tomorrow if it's 500,000 rand? And, and you know, attorneys generally deal with huge amounts of money, whether it's a third-party claim for 10 million rand or it's a house buy and sell for 2 million rand or, or it's, 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 it's simple. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you're going through millions of rands through your trust account. Even as a sole practitioner, you'd go through those types of figures. So uh, I, I, I would say that a person needs to be extremely cautious. And not only that, sometimes innocently you can insert a wrong digit into the account number and the payment would go to a third party. And then recovering that money has shown in the past to be impossible. We know of circumstances, we've read about it in social media and uh, newspaper articles where people by mistake would pay a third party and the person would just go on a rampage about that student that received that money from Nespas that where she um, she squandered the money. You know, so many million, what is it, seven million, I can't remember the exact figure, but just to give an example about how a corporate could make a mistake by paying the money into the student's account, a huge amount of money, I think they probably put a comma in the wrong place, and as a result of which the student went on a spending spree and had to get charged criminally. But most of the time, you can't even charge the person criminally because it's a, it's an error on your part, and that person's got so many debit orders running through their account that they just seen the money and accepted it as being some sort of payment, and um, before you know it, the money's gone and you're unable to recover it because they need the consent of the payee before the banks will normally release that money. Otherwise, you have to go to court and get a court order then to release the money. So yes, these are some of the heartaches. And I know this mutual friend that you're talking about, I think for a couple of months, he was unable to work productively. He, he even confided in me and said, you know what, I'm going through this stress in my life at this moment in time. And um, he, nobody wants to be in that shoes. Nobody wants to be in that situation. And sometimes it's overnight. You, 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 you know, you, you streamlined your work, everything is going smoothly and, you know, you didn't think in your wildest dream that you're going to become the victim of cyber crime or you're going to make a serious error in judgment and you're going to make a payment prematurely and as a result of which, uh, you know, the stress levels uh, far exceed um, the, 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 what, what, what a person normally can go through. And uh, it's unfortunate and people, people, any business, any practice, any, any profession that you're in, you can become very easily a victim of this. So always make sure that, you know, you're vetting, you're checking, you have a second person to double check and make doubly sure that the payment is being authorized, it is done correctly, and, you know, phone clients and make sure that uh, you're speaking to them and they don't they don't call you. I, have a, I had a client previously that he received an email from a supplier and the supplier said, we now change our, our banking details. Please conf- uh, please make sure that ensure that your next payment is made in accordance with the new account number and everything looked very legit including the bank confirmation letter from the bank and uh, the next day he receives a phone call from them to say did you receive our email and he says yes i did receive the email he said so when can you expect payment so he said well i'll make the payment now no not a problem and he made a to the company and uh, a few days later you know the the genuine company now phones him to find out like uh, why haven't you made the payment and it came to surface that not only him but somebody hacked into this uh, supplier's email address and sent this emails across the board to all to all the customers and some of them responded and made the payment made the payment and some were smart enough not to make the particular payments into the new account so yes yes you know it's a lesson for us 
uh, we, 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 that we should be learning from other people's mistakes so that we don't go through the same stress and heart, heart, heart attack and effort that they had to go through just to, to try to recover. And obviously, you know, these funds are generally removed from the recipient's account so quickly that before you say, Jack Robbins, this money is gone and there's absolutely no way you can trace your money or you can smell your money or you get your money back. Yeah, Mohammed, another attorney or an advocate. Now, how often would you find that the son following his dad's profession or the family? Uh, is it a family thing or it's just, uh, you know what, um, an individual's preference? <laughs> I hope sometimes I can be a source of inspiration, inspiration to many of the youth out there, you know. Um, sometimes people look at senior professionals in the community and they say, Ah, I wouldn't mind a lifestyle like that. I wouldn't mind um, having a day like that. I wouldn't mind. It just looks extremely uh, lucrative or extremely comfortable or extremely enjoyable, something. So, yes, sometimes, you know, uh, people look up to the seniors in the community um, and, and, and consider them to be heroes and consider them to be successful. So, alhamdulillah, I think, you know, if, if there is some members in the community uh, that felt that I was uh, that I was an inspiration to them. Alhamdulillah for that. I think uh, a lot of times, and you know, sometimes we're not only lawyers. We need to be businessmen at the same time. Sometimes when I look at senior attorneys having retired or passed on, and then the practice just basically then um, gets liquidated, files get moved on to now other firms in the area, or the clients come in and they remove their files. Then you think to yourself, what happened to that goodwill? You see, if you're running a little takeaway somewhere in Gray Street and you're doing extremely well, when you pass on, you'd like for your children to continue with that business, whether it's a bakery or a supermarket or whatever little bit of business it is. There's an opportunity for you to continue with what's called the goodwill in a business. Every business has got a, some sort of a goodwill. So the goodwill is all the marketing, the advertising, all the soliciting that you had to do to get clients to come to your office and to support you as a business. Um, that there's a goodwill attached to every business. Now, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, we, we our long-term business strategy does not include what happens upon my death. What happens upon my death if I'm running a bakery? Do my children then come in and continue the bakery business or does the bakery business automatically shut down? Similarly with, with the lawyer, uh, if I die on today, do I have somebody that will continue to take on? Because why? This goodwill varies from business to business and you if you believe that you have corporate clients clients whose businesses will continue to grow even though they may have deceased so for example if you have uh, a corporate that gives you work on a regular basis i mean those managers will come and go but the con corporate is expected to continue doing business for example the airports company exa if they your company or if total or bp or one of the petrol stations is your is your client and they're giving you work. Upon your death, your business ceases to exist. But there was a good goodwill attached to that. And uh, nobody wants to pay for that uh, person's business. So what happens to that goodwill? It just gets dissipated and then moves on. These corporates then find somebody else. So I think, in you know, that Alhamdulillah, with, I've got two of my kids that I have decided take on the legal profession. Um, so we are there to school them, to train them, and to give them the best possible advice because we made mistakes in 25 years of practice. There was things that we did uh, previously 
that we now do very differently. You know, maybe we were fighters, maybe we were the type of people that would, you know, uh, look to take every matter to court where there was opportunities to mediate um, and and uh, arbitrate. But long and short of it is, I thought to myself, you know, if my children do take over, I would feel that I don't, the business is, the goodwill attached to the business is not lost. And they then, the advantage for them is, and this is advice going to any junior attorney or any uh, student coming out of university, that it's hard out there to solicit business and to keep business and to make sure that you're competitive and to make sure that you head and shoulders above your competition because it's a cutthroat business out there. Thousands of young attorneys are getting admitted every year and uh, the, the cake is only the, the, so big. So, you know, you may decide then when you go into private practice or you may go into a corporate environment or you're teaching in a university or something, which is fine, you know, if you can get into that well and good. But that's not what a lot of youngsters then studied for. For those that actually decide that they want to go into practice, they have to start maybe for a few months, maybe for a few years. They will not see any money in the practice. Whatever comes in needs to pay loans, needs to pay debts, needs to then pay liabilities. Your uncle gave you some money so you could set up a little office and get yourself going. You need to pay secretaries and rent. So for a few years, you may not see any money. And then you may start seeing a little bit of money. And then maybe after five years, you then begin to now live a compatible lifestyle. And you wonder to yourself, and I studied so many years and I'm only seeing money now. But that's the reality of doing business. Uh, but the advantages, of course, like, for example, my son would not need to go through those teething issues in a practice because he comes into an established practice. And Alhamdulillah has made it such that his, 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 his role, his road to success is actually uh, easier. And that's, that's uh, something that any prospective parent should consider, you know, when schooling and, and, and educating the children and teaching them about succession planning, teaching them about business, the nature of their business may be such that they could, it would be convenient if children then take over their parents' businesses. But it's not always the case that it's going to work out so convenient for everybody, being the nature of what uh, a person does. That needs to be factored in and brought into consideration. So yes, yes, um, I was, I've been fortunate, Allah has made it such that uh, my kids, their risk was made a bit easier by this road. They didn't have to go through what we went through, junior attorneys, uh, working Sunday to Sunday, working odd hours of the day and night. And uh, sometimes, like I say, going through a lot of pain and sweat in an effort to just come out. But Alhamdulillah, you know, over the years, it's become easier for me. And like that, the children have found their footing. And Alhamdulillah for that. We thank Allah for these graces. Jazakallah for that. Uh, fascinating indeed. And in other words, uh, the contingency plan or the continuity has to be a law firm. And there's it. Yeah, the Kubadiyas are there, people. They got the law firm and inshallah, the barakah flows in there. Muhammad, I really enjoyed that uh, input uh, that you had given us uh, uh, this evening. You know, Allah always uh, bless you for that. And perhaps, uh, you know, in, uh, in closing up, uh, or what are some of the thoughts uh, that you have uh, before uh, we... Yeah, close up the show. Shafat, are we closing up already? You mean one hour went so quickly? Alhamdulillah. I, I was still wondering, how am I going to fill one hour? But we Allah made it flying, We're flying. We're flying. We're flying. <laughs> I need to fly to Durban there, man. Buy me a ticket so I can come visit you and we can do this without no gremlins in our in our studio. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yes. 
you'll miss out on on on, on uh, the uh, five clients in, in in the two or that half a day you'll spend in Durban, uh, Mohammed. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Devon's got its own challenges at the moment. So I don't know if it's the most convenient place to be, whether E. coli and everything else that we're hearing about in Joburg. So that has its own challenges, yes. But in closing, I'd like to say to anybody that's considering a law out there, the field is wide, the field is open, but, 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 you know, this is a big mistake. This is the best advice I can give uh, any person, prospective. Uh, law student, I would say, see if you can't spend at least a month uh, doing some sort of vocational work, secretarial services, just answering the phone in the in a lawyer's office. Tell the lawyer you work for free. That money that you're sacrificing for that month um, uh, working for a lawyer would give you good insight as to exactly this is the type of field that you'd like to be in. You know, sometimes we over-glamorize the situation. We make it look like it's something out of the movies. Uh, it's not always the case. Uh, the legal profession does come with its element of uh, of stress. It does come with its element of urgency from time to time. It does come with an element of being congenial, being a pe people's person also, being able to deal with stressful situations. Um, so, yes, it, it is a, a field that, uh, and, and of course, the ability to want to have to educate yourself, the opportunity to, to, you have to keep yourself on top of your game in order to be successful. Yes, that comes in as well. So, go spend some time, speak, open the phone book, go on the internet, see if there's any attorney's firm within five kilometers from where, you, where you're staying. Say that um, with due respect and, you know, I, 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 we take on these students because they are courteous, they're kind, they seem to be very enthusiastic about what is it they want to do. When they tell me that I like to do some vacation work, I try to fit them in. Maybe it's a shadow, one of the candidates in the office, so you can get an idea or sit in on, on, on some of these consultations so they can understand what the nature of these things are about. And yes, uh, it's important that a person acquaints himself with what he's going to do. I think a lot of times, you know, Unfortunately, especially in the Indian community, I'm not, not, not going to take too much time. I know this time is short. Especially in the Indian community, it was always doctor, lawyer, accountant. You know, so somehow or the other, this, uh, this lawyer thing always seems to crop up. But it's not it's not everybody's cup of tea. So don't don't immerse yourself in something that you're not fully acquainted with, and that's something you're not going to be comfortable with. Then this opportunity to work into an environment where you are comfortable and you're happy, you look eager to go to work, and that can only be with something that you love. Jazakallah Shafat for having me on your show this beautiful Friday night, and we're having a lot of rain in Johannesburg, and I think um, during the day people are getting better days now. Alhamdulillah, uh, Jazakallah once again for your hospitality and the opportunity to address the audience this evening. And Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, Jazakallah khair, uh, uh, you know, our uh, advocate Harvest uh, Muhammad Kubania. Absolutely brilliant. And uh, uh, just one more question before I let you go. You know, uh, you, you, you tickle my mind. Some of the the you know the, the the highlights in your in your life in your profession because you, you know you you're a senior uh, senior attorney what was the highlight in your profession 
<laughs> so, so I think the biggest case that I got involved in, I did a couple of murders and all that in the early years. When when we started law, we were but uh, more out there in the sense that we were willing to take instructions across the board. In a lot of matters, we did um, a lady slipping at OK case. We did, but I think the one that came always springs to mind as being the highlight of the of, of my career was I was involved with the SBV case. So you, if you remember, um, there was these. Uh, Devon police officers that uh, robbed the SBV and they stole 30 million rand. And this was uh, close to 1996, 1997. And I remember, um, so SBV was suing them now for the recovery. So it wasn't the criminal case I was involved in. I was involved in the civil case where now SBV then, uh, once they were charged, SBV now identified them as being now the recipients or rather the the, the, the robbers, they then sued them for the recovery of the 30 million rand, which they stole. stole. And I, I still remember this incident in this uh, cop phones me from Durban. He says, uh, Mr. Kuvalia, I've spoken to the advocate and the advocate says, you will be the only person that is willing to accept a brief from. So that's how I got involved. And they phoned the advocate, senior, senior, senior advocate, one of the best in the country. And uh, he said, yes, I, I need an instruction from an attorney. That's generally how it works. I need an instruction from an attorney. And they said, you know, we use Durban attorneys. And they said, no, if you're going to use, you need to use somebody in Joburg that I can speak to and I can do the running around. And the only person I'm comfortable with is uh, Mohamed Kuvadia. So this is his number and give him a call. So they phoned me and they said, uh, the advocate's insisting that you, we, we brief you and you brief uh, counsel. And I said, uh, where, where are you calling from? And they said, we've been in your office in about two to three hours. So I said, I thought they're probably in Joburg already. I said, where are you calling from? They said, no, we're calling from Durban. So I said, will you be flying down? He said, no, we'll be driving down. So I said, but it's impossible for you to be in my office in three hours if you're driving down. They said, Mr. Kuvalia will be there in under three hours. And I sat in my office and I put the phone in. I'm thinking to myself, am I, three hours later, you know, should I rather go home and maybe have a meal and come back and you know, then consult? And within three hours, <laughs> these guys drove. They drove, I don't know what speed you can calculate, probably close to 200 kilometers per hour to be able to reach from Durban to Johannesburg in three hours. And they were here and they sat down in my office and I'm looking at them and they admitted, you know, the, the, the criminality of the actions and having stole the money. And it seemed like it's something that came out of a movie scene, you know. Um, but yes, it was quite an interesting case. And uh, the matter was that, you know, it was a high court matter and it uh, took a couple of weeks for it to get finalized. But yes, if you're talking about a highlight, something that I can tell my grandchildren about as a bedtime story would be how we represented them, these guys, uh, regarding the SPV monies. Hey, that. But Jazakallah for sharing that, uh, Mohammed. I'm glad. Uh, to ask you the question yeah you're gonna have a mashallah evening and allah bless you allah keep you and we'll be talking to you shortly uh muhammad as i said uh, pray for us as we pray for you assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh right people it's time for us to go for the isha azan and inshallah we will continue after that